I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at, at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School of Humans. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cadaver Gals. Yes, this is the podcast where we talk about weird ways that people have died. Totally normal thing, totally normal hobby to have, right? We should not be worried. It's okay. I have a therapist appointment tomorrow. (laughs) I am Nika, one of your three hosts, along with Taylor. Hi, hi. And Gabai. Uh, hi. Yeah, yeah, that's how Gabby, you pronounce her Gabi. name. No, 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 that's how you pronounce her name. Gabai, anyway, hi. Gabai. Hi, Gabai. So, <laughs> so on today's show, we're going to be exploring how laughing is a scary, scary thing and why bouncy castles are actually omens of death. Oh, yes. So as always, we have some trigger warnings because for some reason, some people find death triggering. Um, So today it's heart failure, racism, death, uh, flying in the air, and torture, you know? Fun episode we have ahead of us. Yes, yes. If you listen to this in the mornings, like on your commute, what is wrong with you? Okay. And (laughs) I'm kidding. Thank you so much for listening. And on that note, cue alligator music. So, Taylor, a little clown told me you have... I'm kidding. I'm scared of clowns. Um, But someone in my heart, you, told me that you have a story to tell. 
Yeah, yeah. We talked about this in our meeting earlier this week. No, shh. We don't do meetings. This is all improv. Yes, and okay. This is off the cuff. This is all off, off the cuff. cuff. I have not planned this at all. Yeah, we're spontaneous, cool girls. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so Maurice Aegis. He was an art teacher and a British sculptor, which is really hard to say back to back. British sculptor. Anyway. British sculptor. No, it's not. Okay. No, I British think it's British scopula. Thank you, Gabby. Gabby. Gabby, it's hard. Quiet. It's Tyler's story. Okay. Shut up, so, Mika. So sculptor, you think like, you know, stone or like ice sculpture. That's what I think of, you know. <laughs> uh, this is a different kind of sculpture. <laughs> he created what he called these dream spaces. And they were meant to be kind of like a hallucination that you experience with like your whole body. So lots of bright colors, weird music. It's just kind of like an immersive art installation. That sounds like a, I mean, I can just imagine that pitch meeting of like that project. So it's like an immersive experience and we're doing her dear dear. And then they just give them money. I mean, Adult Swim would say yes in a heartbeat. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it kind of, he started doing this in the 60s um, with this other fellow. I can't remember his name, but um, Bruce. Yeah. I think it was like maybe Peter or something like that. But anyway, he started with a P. Um, penis. Peter's the only one I could think of. Gabby, why would a man be called penis? Okay, here's my theory. If I was ever named Richard, I wouldn't go by dick, I would go by penis. Because that's confidence. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Dick, that's such a pussy move. Go by penis. Okay. I feel like penis isn't even that used anymore, though. Now you use dick or cock more. So wouldn't it actually be better to be called penis? Or ding dong. How, 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 how have we gotten here? I was literally talking about art and you're like, penis. Yes, that's that's what we're going to talk about. I'm sorry. Taylor, if you don't have all the facts, I'm going to fill them in with some nonsense. You're going to fill them in? Ah, Winky. All right. All right. All right. Let's refocus. So anyway, in the 60s, so he was, you know, hallucinations, psychedelics, all that was a thing. So he created these. They're kind of like an inflatable bouncy castle meets like a fun house. There's like a lot of bright colors. Like you remember those things, those like parachute things when you were a kid in gym class? Oh, yeah. What was the point of those? I still don't know. Um, Teamwork. Okay, got it. Also, imagine um, if you farted in one of those while everyone was underneath. Literally, Gabi, no. I know, <laughs> it's good. But see, when I was a kid, I was kind of a big, I was a husky girl. And like, I was prone to farting. And so I hope I never did, but I couldn't be too sure. Y'all, young Gabby is so cute. Young it's Gabby true. is so sad. Oh. No. <laughs> You know, the other day I looked into the mirror and I thought of my younger self, like my self-child, my inner child, and I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rolling it back in. Continue, Taylor. So we're, we're talking about like happy sculptures and art installations that are like kind of psychedelic and hallucinogenic. Anyway, so a lot of people have described them kind of like honeycombs. And uh, like if you have the trypophobia, I feel like it would be a little bit triggering because like it's kind of like... It does look like a honeycomb and like, anyway, and other, and other people have described it like a womb. 
All of these oh. descriptions are really not that cute and doesn't sound appealing to me. But they're actually, they look fun. Anyway, we'll show pictures on our Instagram. Don't you worry. And so the people, like, when you go in, like, they give you these parachute, like, smock things. They're, like, really colorful. And you, like, put on this smock. And then you go in and you just kind of, like, explore this bouncy castle slash sculpture slash immersive experience or whatever. These structures are actually pretty big. I saw very, very conflicting sizes. So I'm not even going to try and pretend to say how big they are. But they could at least they could hold at least 30 people comfortably. It also had like a wheelchair ramp solid enough for that. So that kind of gives you a picture. They were pretty big. Where were these set usually? Parks, um, you know, anywhere where there was a, enough land. But so like, it, like in the West Coast, like where was he? Oh, we're in up, England. Oh, we're in. Yes, my brain is working today. Right, we're in England. Of course we are. The West right? Coast yeah. of England. I don't know why I thought this was like a Coachella thing, you know? Okay. Well, they it did do like installations it. like all over Europe. And I do think that one went to LA at one point. So so there you go, to be fair. Yeah, it sounds like Burning Man. Yeah, exactly. It reminds me a little bit of like an installation that would be in Meow Wolf or something. Which, if you don't know what that is, look exactly. it up because it yes. is awesome. We're just showing how like arty we are. Like we're just naming off things that has <laughs> yeah, art with added. me being the least arty because I said Coachella. <laughs> anyway, my <laughs> favorite artist retreat is Coachella. Um, oh my god. Okay. Anyway, so 2006. At this point, Maurice has done has been doing these for years. People loved them. Grew to be quite the exciting attraction, but. As you know, this is not a podcast about success and happy stories. So on July 22nd, 2006, there's a routine art installation in Chester Le Street Riverside Park in Durham, England. And this was, you know, it was supposed to be there for a while. So what they would do at night is they would deflate it. They had security guards to like watch it or whatever. And then um, it was supposed to be there for like the rest of the month. So... 40-some-odd people are queuing up to enjoy the Dream Space 5 um, when they all hear a loud snap. Oh, good. Yep, that's not a good sign. So the straps that are tying the structure down break loose with 30 people inside. They're going to go on a real adventure now, you know? So the 40 people in line are like, oh, that's not good. So they rush to help. So nice. So nice of them. But a gust of wind comes... And they were no match for the gust of wind and this giant structure. And so if the structure like flips over on its side and like is dragging some of these 40 people, mind you, 30 people are inside, it flips on its side. So people just start ping ponging everywhere inside. Oh, no. So after that, like, there's another gust of wind and it lifts up the entire structure 30 feet in the air, 30 feet, 30 people scary af 30 feet is like very long that's a very high out, how like, many nikas <laughs> i mean how many Five nikas a lot of Six nikas. nikas yeah what about these gusts of wind that's that, that's more than a gust that sounds like a what's the next thing above a gust i don't know well it's swoosh. funny because they said that it wasn't like a windy day they said that you know they were saying that like God. it was just a weird yeah like there, you know, it was like an inflatable structure. So like, it's like susceptible. It had the, to it got up under those, and so like the it already had air going into it, and just like it had the assistance of the bouncy of the uh, air pumps or whatever. 
You know, I think that there might be like, like maybe trampolines and bouncy castles anger God. Because I was reading about trampolines for this story, and the same thing happened with um, a, a person was on a trampoline, and a gust of wind randomly happened, and it killed them. Wow. Did you just try and do your tangent in the middle of my story? I'm so sorry. No, it's not even a part of my tangent because it was too sad. Continue, Taylor. Okay. But I still okay. mentioned it. <laughs> so eventually, it's in the air. It hits a CCTV pole, which broke its flying wherever trajectory it was going, and comes crashing down onto concrete. This whole incident was really about a minute, but people described the scene, and this is horrific, like laughter and fun of like being in this, you know, having a good time to just screams of horror. But a 68-year-old woman and a 33-year-old fell, dropped to their deaths. 13 others were very seriously injured, Fire police teams rushed to the scene trying to get everyone out of the installation because they're like in these like like wormhole type things. There was one child that was airlifted out they and survived, thank goodness, to an anesthetist that was at the park and was able to like stabilize stabilize them until they got them to the hospital. But obviously after that, they had to they secured the area and they have to do like an investigation. Because they're like, why did this happen? This is really weird. This guy's been doing this for years. So they kind of, you know, they went back. They they realized that, you know, all of the safety measures were taken. They The night before, deflated properly. It was safely guarded throughout the night until the next day. However, they did say that there was perhaps some vandalism. And because it had been, the structure had been slashed like two weeks prior but, like, they did all of the safety checks and everything like that. And so it was, like, cleared for use. So they were, like, mm, I mean, there was no, like, necessarily any negligence there. Well, Maurice was arrested for suspicion of manslaughter at first. Wait, Maurice, the sculptor? Yes, the guy who created this installation. Why would he do that to his own creation? Exactly. He was later released. And they were, like... No, so then a trial happens, and that is where he's charged with breaching of the Health and Safety at Work Act and was fined 10,000 pounds. He was, like, very clearly distraught and upset. He was It's obviously, like, a freak accident, but he said that he was never going to make one of these structures again. So I kind of feel bad for him. That was, like, his life's work, and then this horrible, just freak accident, like... He'd done it a zillion times before. Anyway, so three years after the incident, it's like, you know how long investigations and trials and all that stuff takes. So like six months after the trial or something, um, in 2009, Maurice passes away at the age of 77. I didn't find like how he died, but they put his ashes in like four colorful urns. And then, so, you know, just kind of like to honor him. There's no official verdict on the manslaughter charges, but obviously seems like, it doesn't seem like manslaughter to me, but it was a very tragic, horrific, awful, awful, awful event that was very traumatizing for a lot of people. And they never found out like what the reason was, it was just some freak accident. It was just like some freak accident. They were, I mean, I guess they were just saying, you know, like, they could have taken extra precautions, but, like, I mean, it was cleared to be used. But obviously, like, somebody kind of has to pay, which is a little bit ridiculous. But, you know, there has to be some sort of, like, 
I feel like in a lot of instances, there has to be some sort of resolution because otherwise, you know, there's all these victims that are like, what do I like? What do I have to blame? Or like, what do I who can I be mad at or something? I don't know. That's so sad Uh, on all accounts. That's just so sad. I just can't imagine being in a bouncy castle type thing and it flying away. I don't ever want to be in the bouncy castle industry. And it's clown adjacent. So you never know what's going to happen. So you have to watch out. Well, exactly. That's, yeah, that's what makes it cursed. Well, Taylor, thank you so much for this, you know, this sad story. You're welcome. Honestly, I would have I would have gone into one of those bouncy castles because I actually think that's really interesting. So I'm sad he's not do well, he passed away. But well, and he's not doing them anymore because people died. And he was yeah. like, all right, that's enough of that. I mean, he had been doing it a while. Like he kind of started I can't I couldn't tell if he like started this style of works in the 60s or if he started these bouncy castles they kind of became more popular in like the 80s 80s 90s and obviously the um 2000s so um so yeah the amount of drugs people probably did inside of those bouncy castles is just you know fascinating to me i mean yeah he wanted it to be like a psychedelic Psychedelic hallucination experience so when we come back, you know, I'll I'll do my little tangent and it really has nothing to do with Taylor's story, but it, it starts with T and that's all that matters. BRB. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, My name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst and the Jinx. Now, the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how, I don't know where, I don't know what. God, if you show me, God, if you tell me, God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. 
I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome back to Cadaver Gals. Now, call me a traditionalist. Starts with T. Hey, traditionalist. You're a traditionalist. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Mika, Uh, traditional. You're giving us instructions. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, call me a traditionalist, but I personally think that our fragile human bodies should not be submitted to hours upon hours of bouncing. Um, that is not really what Taylor's story was about, but we're going to go on this journey. Surely people were bounced around in there. Surely, surely people were. And I think excessive bouncing is a thing that can actually be really dangerous. Okay. And I have proof. Okay. You seem very passionate about this, Nika. Have there been times where you've been bounced around a little bit too much? You know, moved around a little too too much, too fast. Very funny, Taylor. It's funny because we call moving around sex in this podcast. And yes, okay, this is a personal vendetta, okay? This is my Joker origin story. I have proof. For example, in 2012, the American Academy of Pediatrics actually publicly stated that they discouraged, with a capital D, the use of trampolines, calling them dangerous, with a capital D, and a high-risk environment, Okay. Okay. Uh huh. And trampoline stunts are a leading cause of cervical spine injuries, according to the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. I know. And I personally have a memory of being on a trampoline, trampolining around, bouncing, having a good time. I was in Australia, and then I, (laughs) I hit my head so hard on the edge of it, and I remember just like feeling like this numbness over my head, and like. Horrible! It just felt really bad, and then I just uh, got did you up. Have a concussion? I don't know. We've already figured out on this podcast that I have had two concussions and have never gotten treated for them. Anyway, I, this sounds like a third. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this does sound like a third. <laughs> anyway, so that's why I have certain feelings about trampolines and jumping around. Okay, I when I was a kid, we had a trampoline, and I mean, it had a net around it, but I was like. This is how I'm going to, like, break something. Like, I just knew that it was, like, inevitable. I didn't. But, like, I just felt like it was inevitable that it was going to happen. Up. How are you scared of trampolines but not horses? Horse injuries are, like, a very real thing. 
Because I'm a really talented horseback rider. I'm kidding. I think we should ride on the beach, you know, like a Ralph Lauren commercial. Anyway, and one more factoid about the dangers of trampolining before I get into the history of trampolining, okay? Can't wait. Yeah, thank you. Is that according to the Consumer Product Safety Commission, 100, which by the way, those are the people that also banned Kinder Eggs, so I don't necessarily trust them fully, but (laughs) 120,000 hospital visits to the ER in the US were the direct results of trampoline accidents. Trampolines have a vendetta on humans. They are coming to get us. They have already gotten us, okay? Uh, It already got us. Yeah, they did. And you know who is responsible for all of this? Uh, um, let me say it. Um, Ronald Reagan. No, a man. I was gonna say Sir Tramps a lot. Tramps a lot. <laughs> no, this man called George Nissen, who actually died pretty recently at ninety six in two thousand and ten. So he lived a long life, which means we can talk bad about him. So I'm kidding. So he and his co-conspirator, Larry Griswold, invented the trampoline in 1936. A very recent invention, mind you. So this, the way you're talking about this reminds me of your aversion to, uh, what are they? Not golden doodles. <gasps> Labradoodles. Labradoodles? The spawns from hell. Yeah. No, you look into their faces, you know that is not a dog inside of there. You know what I mean? Their it's little the eyes. the same passion. You have the same passion for this. You know, because so. I'll, ne- I'll never forget when I hit my head really hard in Australia. Did I keep trampolining? Yes. Would I trampoline today? I would be tempted. I would be tempted. Did the Labradoodle <laughs> also injure you? No, Was no, there they like just a terrible me. Labradoodle trampoline incident? Literally every Labradoodle I've ever met has just been really nice to me. And I'm like, I hate you like that. How cute the idea of a Labradoodle bouncing around on a trampoline with its little hair like floofing about. Oh, so cute. Okay, thanks for the nightmares. <laughs> so, uh, yes, they invented the trampoline in 1936. We are doing a quick history on this death device with Nika because I didn't know what other tangent to do. But it's actually quite interesting. So, hear me out. Nissen was a gymnast and a diver, and Griswold was also a gymnast and also Nissen's coach. And then in 1930, Nissen was watching circus people do circus things and was like, hmm, that's really cool. Something popped into his noggin. He was 16 at the time. And then in 1934, Nissen observed the contraptions that trapeze artists would make with this like sheet of canvas, and then they would use it to like bounce off of during their performances. And he was like, hmm. There's something here. So Nissen and uh, Griswold built the first trampoline prototype and then in 1936 started making and selling them commercially. And of course, the idea took off because, okay, who doesn't want to be in the air flying around giggling with childlike joy, right? Okay, apparently everyone. So don't know what they're thinking about, but whatever. So they basically stole it from the circus. Yes. They stole the idea. Wow. Yes. And everyone wanted a trampoline for their backyard, okay? And Nissen was a hustler, okay? He loved trampolining and gymnastics, and he would tour around the U.S. both performing and also promoting his new contraption. And then he served in the Navy where he met air pilots, and he convinced the Air Force to use trampolines as a way of reorienting themselves while in air. So these military men, like, very seriously, would be jumping on trampolines as actual training, Because it was said that it helped them to reorient themselves while in the air and also to forget about being scared of heights. 
Okay. Okay. I know. And also, NASA used them and still uses trampolines, which I think is fascinating and really funny because apparently the weightless feeling of jumping on a trampoline is similar to space travel. Ooh, we've done space travel, you guys. How exciting. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess, basically. And so, yeah, Nissan, like, you know, went through every branch of, of the U.S. commercial system. You know, you got NASA, you got the military, you have families and their children. And also, he, the Olympics, it became a thing. Anyway, so he continued promoting trampolines after the war, right? And he would create marketing stunts, like jumping on a trampoline around the pyramids in Egypt or taking a picture jumping with a kangaroo. And he has said that jumping with a kangaroo was really hard because the kangaroo would jump higher than him and he would try to, like, oh hit him. And so he just, like, had to get close enough for the picture. He Honestly, <laughs> he seems like a pretty cool guy, like, to be fair. He had to stop manufacturing trampolines commercially in the 80s because he kept getting sued from the constant injuries and accidents that happened from trampolining, which is my point exactly, okay? But he always continued with the sport even after he stopped, you know, manufacturing them commercially. And he actually got to see it become an official Olympic sport in 2000. So honestly, good for him. Like, I don't have any 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 bad blood toward him, you know? And it's everywhere now, you know. I mean, I don't I don't really think about trampolines a lot, but they're there, you know what I mean? Like they're in the backyards and the yeah. Olympic and the military and even in fitness classes, okay? Kate Beckinsale, yes. who has wonderful arms and honestly a pretty toned ass body, is a big proponent of the classes called rebounding, which is basically just a trampoline workout. Have you heard of this workout? Yes, they're in Have you done it? No. It it kind of it very much scares me. Apparently, this journalist from Elite Daily this, they wrote a story about it and titled it, I tried, I tried a trampoline gym class and basically almost died in 2016 because it was it was big in 2016. And then with the lockdown that happened because of COVID, it also became big again because you could just buy your mini trampoline and do it, you know, at home with videos and stuff like that. So, you know, it sounds interesting. It sounds, she mentioned that it was kind of cultish because in order to stay on the trampoline and not die, you basically have to laser focus on yourself and look at yourself like dead in the eyes in the mirror and just focus on not following and like work for 45 minutes. And it apparently hurts really bad. Like it's actually a really good workout, but it doesn't sound safe. And that's my point. Those trampolines are like kind of small. I would be afraid of like missing and like rolling my ankle falling exactly. it would be so embarrassing exactly yeah and also i mean would i try it yes i would of course but still doesn't seem safe and before i end my tangent to give credit where credit is due lots of iterations of the commercial trampoline were created before nissan including like inuit people who toss blanket dancers in the air off of walrus skin because it's elastic and bouncy and they do that during a spring festival that they have to um, celebrate the end of whaling season and then also there is evidence that it might have been used during medieval times as a mob punishment device called blanketing which is actually a form of hazing today so real fun google wormholes that i went down on you know down on down through i did not you went down the on the holes out. Okay. Oh, oh no. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm I, I'm a little bit sick, so you can imagine my brain mush right now. But that's the history of trampolines. You're welcome, everyone. You Thank now know you. more things about you know white men inventing things. <laughs> more things than you did before. <laughs> yes, and that's the important thing. Thing said four times. Gabby, I know you have something to relieve me of my misery. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah. 
yep, I definitely, it's, it's going to be relieved. Uh, well, we're going to continue thinking about things that we enjoy and then making them worse. So, right. like oh, trampolines, oh, bouncy castles, etc., etc. Okay. So we're also in England at this point, you know, uh, and it's uh, March 24th, 1975. Nope. Yes, that's what it is. And we're <laughs> in Kings Lynn, England. And there's a 50-year-old dude named Alex Mitchell, and he's watching the TV, okay? And he's specific. Have y'all done this before? I have, have you yes. Sat I've watched sure. Relatable, yeah. This is a relatable story. Have you also been a 50-year-old, you know, white man who, you know, is probably mostly Scottish? Yeah. Literally, thank God, no. And so this dude, Alex, he's watching The Goodies, which is a show that I didn't know about, but it was a big cultural institution, basically. Not really cultural institution. That makes it sound like it was a good show. But basically, Ooh. it was on for like 12 years on the BBC um, and it featured three dudes who were kind of contemporaries to Monty Python. So it was another like comedy show, lots of slapstick humor, uh, very, very silly. British humor, it's so weird. It's very different from like American so humor. Yeah. British humor is like, I don't know, they go hot, 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 hot. And then it's like they hit themselves with like a mousetrap and then they're like, hot, 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 you know, and then you're like, ha, 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 ha. And I'm just like, Eddie, no one I don't does that it. in America. No one's ever done that. <laughs> you know, anytime I see British humor, I always go, hibbledy dibbledy. <laughs> That's good, Taylor. That's my favorite thing. I too. rewatched an episode of The Simpsons last week after not watching it for literally, like, I think decades at this point. You haven't been, al- you've hardly been alive for decades. You know what, Taylor? You can actually go put your face into the pillow <laughs> and not speak. Um, anyway, as Go I was bounce saying, bounce on a trampoline, Taylor. <laughs> yeah, that's my <laughs> okay. biggest insult. Anyway, all that to say, didn't really hold up all too well for me personally. Yeah, um, same with this television program. And but I also don't want to poo-poo it because I also understand it's you know an important part of comedy, you know whatever. But still, it's very it's a very very silly show. But Alex, he's enjoying the heck out of the episode that he's watching. He's laughing, having a grand old time. You know, almost for the entire episode, some people say he was like laughing just the whole time, the whole 25 minutes. But then suddenly during the television TV show, uh, he fainted and then he started breathing funny, according to his daughter and his wife who were with him at the time. And then he died. What? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. British humor. Mm -mm. So he goes from laughing a bunch to then dying upon the ground okay um his death makes headlines across the world and it's definitely framed as the man who laughed himself to death the show was so gosh dang funny that he had heart failure that's basically what everyone thinks happened no is that confirmed well we might get there a little bit later darn 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 but okay, here's the thing. I'm a big risk taker. So I looked at the episode that he was watching and I Gabby. watched it. Oh no. Oh. Gabby, are you okay? Oh my God. I am still here to this day. Okay, listener, I'm alive as of whatever day this is. Thank goodness. You should have told Nika and me. Like done like when you're walking. That you're home gonna do from that so that we could you like check friends. on you. Yeah, but don't yeah. do it for the watching the TV. Well, I decided to take a risk. Um I 
you know, I looked around. I thought it. I thought I would be safe because I thought, you know, humor is subjective and we might have a different sense of humor. And indeed, we do. Oh, I, okay. I am Good. different from a man in the 70s. But I watched the episode and the show's very silly. So they have like the three main dudes who started who you made the show and they're also the, the stars of the show. And they basically have like three different personality types. One is like this. Um, he's, you know, a big fan of the ruling class and doesn't have a chin, basically, uh, which is kind of funny with british people but then uh there's also a guy who's like a middle class scientist and this other guy who's kind of like this more like hippie-ish anarchist type person but they basically it starts off in a very fun way of like two of them are doing kung fu and they're doing some really fun chinese impressions very fun very racist 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 Okay. So yeah. And then this other guy comes in. And he's like, you guys are shit at Kung Fu. I know this other type of fighting called Eki Thump. Um, and then oh. it's a very silly type of fighting that he learns in northern England where this special trick move is you take a piece of black pudding, which is like nasty black sausage, and you just hit people over the head with it. Okay, so that's the whole fighting thing. And then it gets better because then he fights all these other varieties. He fights them while they're doing Kung Fu. There's also they make up this weird French style where you they just hit people with baguettes. But then the black pudding comes in. And the best part, you know, that we just loved was there was blackface. And so they dressed up as a boxer in blackface. And they also hit them with the pudding. And anyway, so just some fun. There is also what year did this come out again? Seventy five. Okay. 1975 so i don't like that you know but yeah. this is the part that they say that alex was laughing the most at which i do appreciate is that they do have a bagpiper so scotsman who gets hit in the head with a boomerang and apparently that's the funniest part and alex himself oh, we hate bagpipers here and boomerangs <laughs> like but alex himself was like scottish and like a proud scot and he thought that was the funniest part. And I'm like, it's great that he's like laughing at himself, basically. You know, I think we could all take, you know, a note from Alex there because like we should be able to laugh at ourselves. OK, ha ha, Scott's think, being hit with a boomerang. I do think that stuff is like funnier when you are like things that make me laugh is like when I see myself in it and like that's making fun of me. I'm like, oh, my God, I do that. This is ridiculous. Oh, no. Like, and then I'm laughing at myself at how dumb yeah. I am. Do you like all of our horse girl jokes, Taylor? No. Uh, sorry, Yummy. <laughs> um, continue with your story. <laughs> anyway, so learning lessons. Laugh at yourself. It's healthy, okay? And also, this was kind of fun. So his wife, after he died, actually sent a letter to the goodies and was like, hey, thank you for making the last 25 minutes of my husband's life so enjoyable. Oh, that's oh nice. sweet. I yeah. would be like, you murdered my husband. Yeah. You're racist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that in contemporary times. I feel like that would be more likely the response, especially in America. As we know, America is a place where we sue everyone. So I'm sure they would try to sue a sketch group for making someone laugh too hard. You know, you're so problematic. You made people laugh too hard. You shouldn't do that. Um, I get told that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, here's the thing. Is laughing dangerous? Like, is this a thing that's like happened, you know, throughout time? Have people like actually, are there like, because, you know, they always be like, laughter is the best medicine. But like, wait a second, you know, what can it do that is bad, you know? And so these fucking little, these like fucking Debbie Downers, they did a study where they collected a bunch of studies from the 40s to like 2013. And they, all these studies were about laughter. And they were basically trying to ascertain what could be the negative 
health effects of laughing. Like, what a fucking, what a project. Like, how did they pitch that project, you know? Fun police. Yeah, exactly. But they did find 15 bad things that can happen when you laugh. You can faint, irregular heartbeat, cardiac rupture. Um, You could accidentally choke on something because if you inhale something while you're laughing, you can have asthma, increased risk for lung collapse. You can pee yourself. Yeah, that is actually one of the negative ones. They say peeing your pants, which I'm like, that's not a health effect. That's just embarrassing, you know? Like all of these things could happen too if you're not laughing. That's true. But one thing they did, which I thought was interesting, was they're like, hey, yeah, these are 15 bad things, but there's actually like tons of benefits of laughing, like reducing stress, anxiety, et cetera. Uh, You know, not being. Actually, yeah. And they said, but this was like funny because they said it could be great for obesity because if you laugh, you know, have a hearty laugh for the whole day, then you can like burn 2000 calories. But I'm like, who's having a hearty laugh the whole fucking day? Like, are you just going to laugh for eight hours? Like, what the hell? We just need to hang out with Gabby more and I'll lose weight. Oh, <laughs> funny. I love no, that, No, because then you'll succumb to my trash diet, which is just whatever is available. And that's usually like a cheesy bread, you know? Oh, a cheesy How bread. How are you always surrounded by cheesy bread? I don't understand. It takes me it a long time me. to find the right cheesy bread, but I guess it just finds you. It so. finds me, you know? Um, I just like house it for people and then they just have that in the freezer. You know, they've had it in there for a long time. And I'm like, well, I'll be the one who eats this cheesy bread. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that's why. my responsibility. Yeah, I'm a good house sitter. <laughs> I eat your cheesy bread, okay? But people, I tell that to people. If they have cheesy bread, I'm going to eat it, okay? Also, this was funny. Okay, one benefit of laughing, which sounds fake, but it says that there are higher pregnancy rates after in vitro fertilization when a clown joke with would-be mothers. That seems fake. What? Like, basically, people getting IVF, and they're like, this clown made them laugh, and then it took hold better. That sounds fake as hell, right? But how many... Yeah. I mean, IVF can also, again, work, or it doesn't work. You know what I mean? Like, there are two options, so... But they said um, if you have if, a clown present, it might work better. How many times have a cl- has a clown been present? Is this like a thing that people do? <laughs> I, if I had a not. clown near me and I had some kind of sperm around me, I would shoot the sperm out of my vagina <laughs> out of fear. <laughs> I know, right? I, I like don't a think a clown has response. ever made me laugh. Clowns are just not funny. Sorry. Yeah, clowns. Clowns out there. It's true. Clowns, clowns have also never made me laugh. What is funny about... A person that's like wearing a weird outfit and like on purpose, like they're trying to too hard, you know, like do less, do less. That's <laughs> that's the problem with clowns. They have too many props, you know, they got, just you rely know, the on your nose, wig, clown, the face fucking paint. pussy. Right. Anyway, shoes. It's all too much, like too many colors. I don't know. <laughs> but OK, so that seems fake, but maybe who knows? OK, just if you are getting IVF, maybe bring a clown with you. Um just to be safe, okay? Yeah, or just take your husband for free. Because <laughs> <laughs> the husband's a clown, get it? <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but it's actually, good. be nice. When you explain yeah, a joke, that means it's good. Um, okay. Okay. But, okay, so they didn't... I love being bullied. <laughs> but anyway, so Alex, who was watching the TV show, who died um, after laughing, they didn't know for a long time what had happened. They were just assumed it was some sort of like heart failure. But then, in 2012, his granddaughter had like a cardiac problem the same thing that had happened to him happened to her where she suddenly fainted 
And what? then started having all these like heart problems. And then she had to be induced into a coma afterwards. And she was oh only my. 23 when this happened. And what Oh my they- gosh, I'm 23. Yeah, watch out, Nika. But it was interesting that this happened because then it helped them. She she did survive. But then because of like her problem, they were able to diagnose what likely happened to her grandfather. Um, and they discovered that she had long QT syndrome, which is a, usually a genetic disorder that gets passed down. And it's a heart rhythm condition that can sort of make your heart beat in an irregular or like too fast kind of way. And so like if you're excited or scared or have heightened emotions, laughing, or even if you're exercising, watch out, Nika, Uh, you might faint, have a seizure. And then because of the heart problems, then you could potentially die. So they assumed because he had fainted and fainting is like the main sign of having long QT syndrome. That's probably what happened to him. So they solved the mystery. Only how many years later? Uh, math, 30, 40 years later. About. Yeah, Gabby, you do the math. I don't want to. I I always think it's so interesting when, like, years and years and years and years and years later, things are solved. Yeah. But, you Just know, sometimes it takes time, y'all. And there are a few others. So it does seem if you have a heart condition, that's probably, you know, when you might die from laughing. But there's been, like, a few other silly cases throughout history there is in the fifth century there is this painter who they say he died after laughing so much because he had painted Aphrodite in a really funny way uh, because this old woman who had commissioned the painting had insisted that she model for it so he apparently laughed himself to death about how silly his painting looked (laughs) that could be fake and then we have a third century philosopher, he died of laughing after he saw a donkey eating his figs. So, I mean, donkeys are pretty funny, so that makes sense. They are funny. They're so cute. So cute. And then in 1410, a king of Aragon, he laughed himself to death, but it might have also been after his jester told him a joke, but it also might have been an indigestion problem. So make sure you're laughing on an empty stomach, okay? And then this one was really funny because it's very relatable is um, in 1920, this Australian man died after he was laughing because he was like reading the paper and he, I think he was just aghast from the years of 1915 to 1920, how much prices had risen on certain commodities so he was laughing so much at you know which I feel like I laugh too when I look at like housing prices I'm like ha 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 so he made a remark to his wife about how prices were so much more and then he apparently died after he was laughing about capitalism so I mean (laughs) I get that I'm laughing right now how I went from a hybrid to like an SUV and the gas prices have gone up so much I'm like wow I'm dumb So watch out, Taylor. That might be a laughing. You know, the laughing out of desperation is also a way you can laugh and lead to death. I feel like that's how I laugh a lot is is trying to not cry. Yeah. You're just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Life is so bad. That's what we do on this show. So anyway, that is watch out, guys. You know, laugh in moderation. That's all I can say. Also, make sure you don't have a heart condition. I hope we're not too funny for everyone. We're we too funny I now. doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but I also like this episode so far because it's like having fun, like bouncy castle, trampoline, yeah. laughing. We can't do any of those things anymore. No yeah. fun. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Gabby. Wow. Oh, another thing to be scared of. Am I right? Am I right, guys? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> okay. Ow, well, oh. my heart. 
Um, <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> oh, uh, that scratchy sound was my throat. Okay, mm. when we come back, you know, another tangent that's kind of not about this, but we do what we can. We do what we can. Okay? Stick around, bitch. Love you. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in the Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
You know, that was such a funny story. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's really fun about this is that I also have a things that should be fun but are actually bad tangent to go on. So with your blessing, I think I'm going to go on it. Okay. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is like slightly related if you're doing what I think you're doing. So I think it makes sense. I think our tangent is... Winky, winky. Good. <laughs> I love it. Good. Okay. Well, you know, I love to laugh as much as the next person, but laughing by being tickled is not really my... Actually, that is a lie. I don't know why the fuck I wrote this. I love being tickled. What the heck? What? Anyway. I hate it. You hate being tickled? It's like such an invasion of it my is space. Well, it has to be consensual. Like, I, I, I love the idea of being tickled, but only by a very select group of people. And there needs to be some kind of safe word because... It can also get very overwhelming, as I will explain the reason why. It but you just don't me like so it. mad, really. Like, just because it, like, I have this this dumb reaction of laughing, does not mean that I'm enjoying it. Where do you like, like getting tickled, Taylor? No, I don't. Okay, tickle where Titty are you Taylor. Ticklish? Don't tickle me ever. But where are you ticklish? Is my question. She's not going to tell us, Nika. No, no, I won't. I won't do it. I'm not like I'm not an assaulter. <laughs> I'm not like a British comedian. With? One of okay, I'll tell you one. One, one of the things that annoys me the most. Well, my dad used to do this, like grab, like grab your, like just above your knee. You know, that's a very, yeah, that's a very sensitive. It spot. makes me. It makes me. I mean, don't ever do it because I'll just kick you. But mm, Taylor's kick the me horse. Like a horse. <laughs> hey, I feel like tickling's tickling's like the final frontier of like consent. You know, because I feel like people don't usually ask for consent about it. and we like people tickle children i'm like those children probably don't like it because the whole time yes. you're being tickled all you're yelling is stop 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 but you're like yes. ah, stop exactly. my niece though she really likes it and what she'll do i guess i figured this out she'll like she'll go in these like little rants where she'll be like get me get me and she'll say get me taylor and so then she just wants me to like chase her and then tickle her that's embarrassing that's literally how i am <laughs> Gabby, do you like being tickled? What do you think? No, <laughs> absolutely not. Is that, I mean, is that correct? I like to tickle people, but I have I never been with. It. I'm sorry. I don't okay, know here's the thing. I the, I like... I, imagining Gabby tickling someone is like imagining a big octopus tickling someone. Like I can't see it in my brain. A big octopus. That's how you think about me. I don't know what that means, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, like you're but, enveloping is what I'm saying. Well, I do the thing where it's like, you know, people have spots. So I'll just like jab them in this ticklish spot, you know, like <laughs> jabs, in the ribs. I'm just jab with my eight tentacles. <laughs> okay. But anyway, anyway. So Gabby sent me this link like literally last night because she knew I had not done my research yet. Thank God. About, about being tickled. And apparently there's this thing called... Tickle torture, which I am not surprised about, but here no. it is. I so, feel like tickling is torture, so I I understand. Okay, I also well, sent there. that to you because it seemed like you would enjoy it. Oh, I deeply enjoyed torture. it. Thank you so much, Gabby. <laughs> um, so it apparently began in ancient China during the Han Dynasty, and it was used because it didn't leave any marks that the victims had to recover from. And so it was also especially used on royalty because obviously – looks were very important back then and being seen as like untouchable or like you know no blemishes were a big deal so tickle torture was actually kind of the perfect way of torturing people and then <laughs> it also yeah it also was a thing in ancient rome and what they would do there it was a very specific thing they would dip the criminal's feet in like salty water and then have a goat lick it off 
until like they couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> that is so mean. Isn't that so bad? And so then obviously it would start off kind of ticklish at first, you know, you're the goat licking your feet and then it would become excruciatingly painful and then they'd cry, but they would also continue laughing while they were being restrained. Ooh. That's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it's very funny. And then also it, it was a thing also in ancient Japan. So, you know, first centuries, this has been a thing and it's just fascinating to me. And I was kind of reading about it because what I, I was, you had to. Well, I, I had to, but also it honestly really interested me. Like what causes this much stress when you're getting tickled? Why? Like, is it actually torture? And it seems like when you're tickled, what reacts is this part of the brain called the hypothalamus and that's the area in your brain that is in charge of emotional reactions and that is very stimulated when you're being tickled and so in regardless of whether you enjoy it or not the response is an immediate emotional response so you'll still be laughing uncontrollably like even if you're not enjoying it which is so is the very frustrating thing about being tickled and consent and that whole thing And there's evidence that pain receptors are triggered during tickling, which can lead to severe overstimulation if it's done against your will, obviously. And then if it's done for a prolonged period of time, some people have reported vomiting, loss of consciousness, or major difficulty breathing because they're laughing so hard from being tickled or asking to stop. And so, yes, of course, like it has led to death. Um, of course it has. Of course it has. I mean, you know, there was this man specifically, um, Joseph Kahoot, who was a prisoner of the Nazis in World War II for being homosexual. And he witnessed someone being tickled to death in a concentration camp, which is obviously disgusting. Um, and it was also used as torture more recently by a group of women in Mayotte, which is this overseas department of France. They did this torture technique in 1966 against men who were opposed to their political views to get them to sway in their views, basically, and do whatever they wanted. And there was also, I read about this person who, I think it was like the 1900s or something. He was a doctor at a like psychiatry ward. And this man was strapped in and basically this doctor was bored and like took off the socks of of the patient and was tickling the patient till like the patient basically lost consciousness and then also gave the patient a bloody nose and then the doctor was found doing that and had a trial and I think he was guilty so Lord. but it's been a thing like people love the power <laughs> dynamic of tickling which Can is you imagine? so bad like that's like that would be like a liberal way to torture like i want you to be you know to tickle conservatives into being like i'm gonna tickle, tickle conservatives you. into being liberal yeah, yeah like <laughs> what a silly like i want you to be it on my side silly it seems silly but like it can be really bad there was also this study that i read about where these researchers interviewed 150 adult siblings about kind of if they ever felt abused by their siblings and many of them said that being tickled felt like a form of abuse because they couldn't say no, which is really scary. Like I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh my gosh, did I tickle my siblings? Like, did have I ever enacted that kind of force against someone? I don't know. I mean, I feel like probably because we all kind of grow up. I mean, I feel like it's not as popular now, but we all grow up tickling people slash not learning about consent in the way that I think kids are learning about consent now. Yeah, I mean, it so also, weird. I feel like it's, like, such a silly thing that it's, like, I mean, can you imagine, like, the doctor who was, like, on trial, like, how embarrassing and silly that yeah. is to be on trial for tickling? I know. You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> But, like, it really causes an emotional, you know, panic response in your brain. And also, um, 
Speaking of, you know, being tickled, power dynamics, consent, all of that stuff, tickle torture has also, of course, become a big thing on like the BDSM community. And, you know, in consensual relationships, tickle torture is also a thing that many dominatrixes are very, very good at. It's actually pretty common. And there's even websites. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Like um, onlytickle.com or <laughs> tickledates.com. There's a really great paper interview that I read with this pro tickle torturer who explains that it's like torturing someone without harming them actually or getting violent. And it feels really good like as a release, especially in a pyrodynamic situation. Apparently some submissives really like the mind game interrogation style of tickling. Um, the dominatrix said that one time she left a man, you know, strapped and then w- she put um, itching powder on his feet and then left him in a room for like an hour. And that Ew. was just like torturous, but like he wanted it. And then others like it more soft and playful and fun. And it just depends on like what they want. And, you know, before I end the tickle tangent, the TT, um, Mm -hmm. I need to tell you guys about this man who made a documentary about competitive endurance tickling. And I know, I know. So this journalist from New Zealand went on like a rabbit hole when he found these videos of like young men, usually from 18 to 25-ish, um, very homoerotic, like on top of each other, tickling each other and seeing how long could they endure. And these videos were, there were many, many videos and it came from this weird website. And so he like tried to track down the website to ask more questions about competitive tickling. And the website owner like responded very aggressively and like leave me alone, blah, blah, whatever. And um, the journey on what these videos are, how do they get made who owns these videos, who are the models and all of that sort of stuff ended up becoming a documentary that premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2016 because it was not it was not as innocent as it seemed. It was actually very much an illegal taking advantage of the models abuse kind of situation within the competitive endurance tickling world. And it's just a mess, but also a really interesting documentary and I really want to watch it this weekend, so... That is so weird. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. There is nothing innocent in this world. Nothing. Not even tickling. Not even Cadaver tickling. gals getting the inside scoop on the tickle. Once again. So, <laughs> you know, we've learned so many things about what should be fun can actually be super dangerous and Don't scary. Don't have fun. No Never tickling. Have. No laughing. No bouncy castles. No trampolines. No yeah. clowns. But we already knew about clowns. Uh, well, thanks so much for listening. You know, don't laugh ever. And, uh, <laughs> you know, That's talk just... at you next time. Ooh, bye. Cadaver Gals. Cadaver Gals is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It is produced, edited, researched, hosted, etc. by Taylor Church, Gabby Watts, and Nika Duarte. You can find us on Instagram at Cadaver Gals and also Twitter. Feel free to leave a nice review, but be nice or else please don't. Or else Taylor will cry. Will tickle. Wow, the girls are still on. Okay. Or Taylor will cry. Um, talk at you next week. Bye.
I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 